and that's why a lot of girls don't get into comics and that's why it's so refreshing to see Kamala Khan she's nerdy she's geeky she loves her family she loves her friends like she's just trying to do her thing and pass math class and (laughs) yeah it was just all very relatable (laughs) One of the things that actually did bother me about her as a superhero is her rogues gallery. Wait, what do you mean by her rogues gallery? Her super villains. Maybe her main villain is time management. This world needs, Ryan. A spoonful of cocaine to help the medicine go down. No, I was thinking something that could breathe new life into the tired superhero genre. Something to hit the reset button on the old status quo. I get it. You want Zack Snyder. Well, I mean, that goes without saying. I always want Zack Snyder. But sometimes I think that is the last thing that we need more of. What the world actually needs? Legalization of recreational marijuana. Well, duh. But this is a podcast about comic books, so I'm thinking refreshing takes with new, charming, and quirky characters who reflect the changing faces of our society and make us look inward and want to be better people. Has there been a stoner superhero yet? I'm Roman Segel. And I'm Ryan Joe. And we're two dudes somehow still reading books about teen girls in New Jersey. So this week, we are reading Miss Marvel, written by award-winning novelist and Muslim-American G. Willow Wilson. Some would argue that Miss Marvel was one of the most important books and new characters that the House of Ideas, Marvel Comics, released way back when in 2014, when it looked like the world was just going to keep on getting better. And it did. It came true. The world kept on getting better, and now it's 2021, and everything is perfect. End of podcast. As we know, that was not the case. But I want to talk about Miss Marvel. It has one familiar thing, the name of the hero. But everything else is all new and all different because we're introduced to a young woman named Kamala Khan, a Pakistani-American teenage girl just trying to get her homework done, write fan fiction, play MMORPGs, figure out her relationship with her religious brother, come to terms with her best friends, and meet the expectations of her immigrant parents. Oh, man. Will it ever be a TV show? Actually... It's like you're setting me up. Miss Marvel will be joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe on Disney Plus in December. And here's a fun fact for you. The Ms. Marvel action figure comes with the torso of the Abomination. (laughs) Anyway, so along the way, Kamala Khan is bitten by a radioactive samosa. I mean, she's exposed to the Terrigen Mist, which powers the Inhumans. And she gains morphogenic powers, which basically means she gains the abilities to stretch, shrink, embiggen, change shape, heal, and all sorts of other awesome stuff. She's like Plastic Man meets Wolverine wrapped in a spunky can-do teen girl attitude. So as you can imagine, hijinks ensue across the tri-state area. So your script wants me to ask, you mean Cincinnati, Indiana, and Northern Kentucky, but... Seeing as I live in New York by way of California, I'm only vaguely aware that those states border each other at all. (laughs) Well, we are talking about Marvel, which tends to be hyper-obsessed with New York City. But unlike pretty much all of the superheroes in the Marvel Universe, our dear Kamala Khan does not live in New York City, but across the Hudson River in Jersey City. Which might as well be in Northern Kentucky. Rumen... What's a good soundtrack that embodies the values of both Northern Kentucky and New Jersey? Well, 
I wouldn't know, but I like to listen to some good old Bruce Springsteen or maybe even the Garden State soundtrack. That's a great soundtrack. Oh my gosh. So joining us to talk about our new favorite Pakistani-American superhero is our new favorite Pakistani-American comic book geek from the tri-state area. Well, D.C. technically is not a state. Not yet. Because I think what Ryan needs to realize as the East Coast liberal elite that he is, is that there are multiple tri-state areas in this country. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) So anyway, Lena hosts the podcast Grounded Geeks with her brother Aman, which is basically Quarantine Comics meets Modern Minorities. And since we met a few months ago, we have found out that we are both really big fans of Kamala Khan. But Lena, before we dig into Miss Marvel, can you tell us a little bit more about the kinds of stories that you're into in comic books and beyond? Well... Tough question. I think I'm basically looking for stories about people that I can root for. Honestly, so I'm I feel like I'm a, a fake comic book nerd <laughs> because the only comic book I really try to read religiously is about Miss Marvel. So I've read all of the issues. I'm up to date on that. And then I dabble in everything else. Religiously? So. Pun intended. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Well, yeah. so, but I guess through your like relationship with your brother, you've been consuming, call it this pop culture, Star Wars, Star Trek, Kung Fu mm-hmm. material for a while. Yes, that is true. I mean, growing up, I would just basically try to copy my brother and do whatever he was doing for a long time. And that also involved reading comics. So I would try to read a lot of his comics. A lot of times he wouldn't let me, all that. And then, but yeah, I'm super this is so sorry I'm super into I was about to say I'm super into the superhero genre but (laughs) so lame but yes I am very much into the superhero genre but I got into that even though I had grown up reading like probably I think the most vividly one that I can remember is like Superman comics that my brother had but then I honestly just thought comics were the sort of I, I just thought it was a boys club, quite frankly. And I thought like, okay, this isn't for me. This is for guys. This is just, it's their thing. Girls not allowed, whatever. So I didn't touch comic books hey, can for you years. Say, I, I, I'm really curious mm-hmm. about that. Like, I, mm-hmm. I think I know why, because Ryan and I, when we went back and reread all the 90s X-Men. Mm-hmm. We realized that what we thought was really cool <laughs> was just there to titillate teenage boys yeah. is, really I mean, is that pretty much what it was yeah <laughs> yeah it's really sexist i mean it's just sort of there were a lot of comic books where i was like this costume is entirely impractical why <laughs> like and so and i still think that honestly when i read some of the comics yeah. now so but yeah so I, I didn't even touch comic books for years and then i think what really got me into superheroes in general were the movies when the toby Maguire spider-man movie came out i was like whoa this is amazing <laughs> and so i got pulled into that first into the the movies and then slowly back into comic books mainly because of miss marvel i heard i think i like read an article about it or my brother saw an article and sent it to me and i was like oh my god there's gonna be basically a comic book about me and then i was like i need to investigate further so, yeah. Lena, I was I was wondering, how do your tastes, now that you are like a refined comic connoisseur, <laughs> no longer imitating your brother, how how do your tastes and your brother's tastes, how have they diverged? I think my brother is very much, like he is in tune with 
everything that's happening, I would say, in both the Marvel comics and DC comics and whatever. And then I we also read Saga. I'm sure you guys have read Saga, right? I assume. Well, Ryan, we, we didn't read the indeed. last volume. I mean, <laughs> oh my god, what? No, I, okay. <laughs> I, I, I did. We reviewed it, and when we reviewed it, I had not read the last couple of issues because I procrastinate. Because um, nothing, nothing major <laughs> happens in those yeah, last it issues. Totally doesn't hang like end on a cliffhanger or anything. But yeah. we, I, we did. I did end up reading it, and we actually re-recorded it. So you wouldn't oh, know nice. if yeah. you if you listen to the episode that I was uh, delinquent. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, yeah. So my brother knows like all the different, like he reads all the different crossover things happening with different characters and Marvel and DC and all that. And I just find it to be a little bit overwhelming. So I think I've gotten just more into sort of standalone graphic novels. And I really enjoyed Saga. I, I was in a comic book store in New York City and one of the guys working there just recommended it randomly. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll try this. And so, so yeah, I think that's how we differ. And what about stories beyond comics? Because I mean, your podcast grounded geeks uh, mm -hmm. kind of uh, very rarely do you cover comics and sometimes you cover comic book ad adaptations on TV, but like the episode I just listened to, it was about the Mandalorian, but it was about religious extremism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so basically we, we talk about all different movies, TV shows, books, comic books that we love and just geek out about in terms of the storytelling, the characters, etc. But a lot of times what my brother and I really like doing is relating these fantastical stories to the real world. And so we talk about how... For example, on our most recent episode of The Mandalorian and Religious Extremism, we talk about how Mando is basically, uh, as we find out on the TV show, he's been raised in a death cult. And what does that mean? There are plenty of people actually in the real world who have been raised in that manner all over the world, <laughs> whether it's ISIS or the KKK. So <laughs> there's, there's just a lot to talk about because even any of these storytellers, whether you're a screenwriter or... A comic book artist you're drawing from things that are real life so it's just interesting to bring it back to that and talk about that too for us cool well why don't we dive into miss marvel because i think there's a lot to talk about ryan i mean this was your first take on it had you how before we decided to do this episode how much did you know about what marvel had tried to do or marvel did do almost a decade ago with uh, kamala khan I was familiar with the character, definitely familiar when she was introduced because there was a big marketing push behind it. It was the first Muslim superhero at, at a time, especially I think the United States, everyone, the Western world was still very much reeling from, there was a lot of anti-Muslim prejudice. I mean, there still mm -hmm. is, but especially then, and, and I, I felt like Ms. Marvel was definitely part of her was, was, was a response to, to what was happening to the Muslim community. So I was certainly aware of the character, but it, she debuted in 2014, and at that point in time, I was not really reading superhero comics that much, and so I didn't really pick up any of her adventures. However, I was aware of her importance in being part of the Marvel Comics universe, and I was also aware of how important she was for fans of superhero comics who, for the longest time, I mean, she really... I, I really think she's the first minority superhero of, of significance. 
yeah, I, I, well, I mean, I, well, I, okay, I actually didn't say that because there are black superheroes. What's, what's worth saying is at the moment Kamala Khan came out and I was at the time sunsetting my collection of like superhero issues and digging more into indie or non-superhero genre stuff by Image, Dark Horse. But at that moment, they decided to have Thor be a woman. That they, they decided to have Sam Wilson, a black man, take on the mantle and the shield of Captain America. Mm -hmm. They introduced Miles Morales, a black yeah. Spider-Man living in Brooklyn. And one thing, and it was cool. Like I was like, whoa, uh, way to take some swings, Marvel, based on where the world's going. But the Tucker Carlson troll dome that is the internet was like, <laughs> what the fuck, Marvel? Why are you doing this? Oh, my God, I'm going to quit reading Marvel comics. And it egged me on to make me want to read more of these stories as it was happening. It was a really interesting moment where like the fandom was or the fanboydom was saying, no, 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 you can't ruin my childhood things that are not supposed to change, which is something we talk a lot about, Ryan, on the show, like. Superheroes never change. They hit the reset button over and over and over again. Nothing ever changes. And I think that's what was so important about this to me. Well, Kamala is also a completely new character. Sam Wilson becoming Captain America. He was a Falcon before. Jane Foster becoming Thor. She was Thor's girlfriend. But Kamala is entirely new. And even though she has the name of Mar Captain Marvel... Her powers are completely unique and have nothing to do with, with the original yeah, Captain yeah, Marvel yeah. at all. I was just going to say, that part actually, when I first started reading it, when the first few issues came out, it annoyed me. I was like, what the hell? You have your first Muslim American superhero and you're going to give her some recycled superhero name? Like, what is this? But then, of course, as I read the issues, I understood what they were trying to do. Well, and I mean, I think that was something that's... And Brian, I definitely want to get your take on your reaction, but the thing that endears me so much to Kamala Khan, I remember rereading it a couple of years ago when my daughter was two, I was like, I want her to read this when she's old enough, right? Because she's a fangirl. Like, she's literally, oh, it's not just boys who are into this shit, right? Like, there is a world where boys and girls can be into this and can take ownership and feel this. And that's, I mean, that's where she takes her identity from, someone who she loves and cares about so much. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I, for me, what resonated most with Ms. Marvel is the specificity of her circumstances. They, she, I mean, G. Willow Wilson really does lean into her religiosity. You had said last week when we were previewing Ms. Marvel, Roman, that she's like, in a way, she's like a modern Spider-Man. She's this kid who's just trying to make it work but keeps screwing up along the way and there's an element to which that's definitely the case and i think that's that's sort of like that's, that's a very universal thing for kids you try to do right but you you keep messing up and you have to learn your life lessons along the way but at the same time there's an incredible amount of specificity of like the relationships with her family the relationships with her religion uh, her sense of responsibility versus how to reconcile all of that so that's the stuff that I really responded to the most, that I was most interested in G. Willow Wilson. I, would say, I was going to say interpretation of this character, but in her telling of this character's story. I know. I was going to say something I think I realized. Like, obviously, I love comics and I love genre fiction and storytelling. But I think something I've been thinking about a lot of the books that I've loved over the years. And 
it's the relatable every man, or in Kamala's case, every woman. Chuck Dixon did a take on Robin in the 90s, which a lot of people said took on the mantle of Peter Parker. Brian Michael Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man recasts Spider-Man as a teen in the modern 2000s. Then he introduces us to Miles Morales, and Miss Marvel is the same. It's someone... I, I can't relate to these people because I'm not a teenager anymore, but I remember those moments of my life. And I, I think it is this like every man's take is like the perfect formula for superheroes, but it can't be done with every hero. And I think that's what makes it work with a level of specificity into someone else's life, a Muslim household. I mean, there I think they speak Urdu, but there's things that they mm-hmm. say or like beta. And stuff. This is like the Hindi and the Punjabi that I was hearing growing up. And it just... Mm-hmm. It really drew me in. I, I don't. So, Lena, I have to ask the obvious question. Mm-hmm. This is a Pakistani American girl. <laughs> you were reading a comic about a Pakistani American girl, written by an Egyptian American, to be clear. But like, mm-hmm. how did you first respond to it? I immediately uh, saw myself in her character, and also, wait, I'm pretty sure it's Kamala Khan. I think that's how they pronounce the name in the comics. Our vice president goes by Kamala, but just yeah, my, I my think that's what it is. My grandma was Kamala, so yeah. I th- but I'm pretty sure that's how the Marvel has decided to pronounce it. Anyway, but yeah, I get confused by it all the time. That's what my mom would say. It doesn't matter, Beta. It is Kamala. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I immediately, I mean, just identified with her character. I thought the family scenes the interactions with her parents were just really spot on i also have an older brother she has an older brother she has issues with time management so do i like it's just like all of it i thought it was really great and the way that g will wilson decided to weave in the religious aspects of it but not have it be this overpowering presence it was great i mean even in the I think, I don't know, maybe this was in the very first issue. There's like a scene where she's at the mosque or something with her friend. They're listening to some lecture from the sheikh and they're just showing them sitting on the ground listening. And like half the kids are like falling asleep. Half of them are on their phone. I'm like, this is so true to real life. And so it's just, I just found it to be incredibly accurate. I mean, minus the superhero part, the powers, (laughs) but yeah. Well, so now that we're done with the gushing part, and more gushing will be allowed, <laughs> Ryan, come on! I, I know you're itching. I know you're itching. <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not itching to shit on. So, I, Lena, like Roman always has this thing where he's like, "Okay, Ryan, okay, shit on it. I love this book. I shit on it. Like, I, I know I know you're gonna say something horrible. <laughs> it's part of our it's part of our shtick. It's part of our charm. I'm already no, bracing myself. No, I'm just. I'm, <laughs> but Lena, we get to defend this. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, I, like, I, I just have a certain impatience these days with like the, with superheroes in yeah. general, and that that's not it doesn't have anything to do with Ms. Marvel specifically. Here's the thing: if I were to criticize this, it's sort of like I I'm, I'm aware I'm not the target audience, so some of the things that I say, if Marvel were to like correct it, it would be antithetical to what they are trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. I, for instance, I was so interested in what Kamala was going through with her family trying to juggle her superheroics that when she became part of the Avengers, when she started interacting with the other superheroes, it actually, to me, it felt like it diluted that character. So 
personally, I wish that she was just like holding down this enclave in Jersey City and we were just getting her adventures and everything that happened with the Avengers, the X-Men, Fantastic Four, that was on the periphery. That would have been more compelling to me. However, I also understand that what Marvel is trying to do is create this character who is integrated into the Marvel Universe. And as such, they need to have her interact with the Avengers. They need to have her team up with Wolverine. So Mm. what Marvel was trying to do, I think, undermined the, the most interesting aspects of her story. But I also understand why Marvel was trying to do it. Well, do you, think, uh, do you think yeah. uh, Kamala had to exist? Part of her character, who she is as a person, is a fangirl who looks up to Carol Danvers, who looks up to Tony Stark, who yes. knows all of Peter Parker's team-ups. Or uh, not Peter Parker, but she knows him as Spider-Man, right? And I think some of the most endearing moments were those ones when she keeps meeting like the A-listers. The meeting with Wolverine. I think there's some like backstory stuff where she interacts with S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever. And it was a little pandering where everyone's like, we've got our eye on you, kid. We've been hearing good things about you, kid. But it was just like, oh, wow, our girl who we're rooting for, people are starting to take notice. She isn't alone. And there are these moments where she feels completely isolated. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think it also... Like, Ryan, I totally get what you're saying, because th- that part actually wasn't the most appealing part to me either, of uh, where she's teaming up with the Avengers and doing all this stuff. But I also think it was really on point for her personality and her character. She's just trying to prove herself and like she gets a chance to meet her heroes. So she definitely wants to team up with them. And she's just constantly trying to, she's just biting off more than she can chew basically. And which I found really interesting. And even as I was reading these issues, it just reminded me a lot of myself. And I think a lot of probably other minority kids growing up in the U S where you are constantly trying to prove yourself. You're trying to, just say yes to everything and like so you can be accepted by the cool kids and all this and that and you want to be able to just do everything and yeah i get what you mean by that but i also think it just it fit with the personality that they created for her yeah absolutely i so so i'm conflicted there because one thing i like the most about kamala was it kamala or kamala Kamala. <laughs> Kamala. One thing I like the most about Kamala is, and, th- and this is sort of unique to her, is her self-doubt. You, mm-hmm. like, you think about Peter Parker, he's arrogant. I mean, the whole the whole reason Uncle Ben dies is because he's, he's being an arrogant asshole. Wow. <laughs> Dark. But yeah, yeah it's I, true. <laughs> and Kamala's like, she hurts one of the supervillains a little bit too much, and she's really upset about that, which is different. It's not something that you'd normally see. She's reacting to her own, I guess, her own capacity for violence, as which mm-hmm. is necessary as a superhero. And she's not sure if she's comfortable with that. And there's, as you mentioned earlier, that moment when she's always saying, yes, she's putting too much on her plate because she just wants to please. So all of those aspects of her are really unique. You really don't see that a lot in, in, in superheroes. And I do like how that manifests when she encounters her her peers, other superheroes like Captain Marvel or Spider-Man or Iron Man. But I do feel like a little bit of that goes a long way because you'd see it over and over again. You see your fan geeking out with Wolverine, with Iron Man, Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. with Spider-Man. It's sort of like, do we really need all of those guys? It's like, I, it would be really effective if all of that sort of energy were focused on the Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel relationship because, of course, that's who she really 
idolizes. So that's why I'm kind of mixed on it. It's sort of like, yeah, it leads to some good moments when she's interacting with the other superheroes, but man, she's interacting with them a hell of a lot. Well, yeah, I, I hear you there. And there, there was a really interesting book. There's a writer I really like named Mark Wade. We've talked about him. He did Fantastic Four and The Flash. And he did a book called The Champions, which takes place probably a few years in. And it's basically all these like young kids. There's a new version of Nova, who's a Hispanic kid. There's Miles Morales, the Black Spider-Man. There's Kamala Khan. And then there's even an Asian Hulk, right? And and Cyclops from the past, like teenage Cyclops. And they basically break away from the Avengers because they are like, it's taking that storyline in this book where they're like, man, disaffected teens. We're not just about our smartphones and TikTok. We actually care about stuff, don't we? And that's what this book champions, which only ran like, I think, two volumes about, but was all about. So to to make that happen, and, and Kamala is one of the more grounded characters in that because of her culture, because of yeah. her, mm-hmm. she is an American, she does live in JC, but at the same time, she's part of a Muslim household. And so she's not going to hang out with boys. She's not going to stay out too late. She does respect her curfew. Whereas, and she's the only girl, actually, as well. She's arguably the more mature one. And I guess it has been cool watching her interact in the Marvel Universe, but maybe that should happen in other books, I guess. Maybe it shouldn't happen in Miss Marvel, too. We, I want to spend Miss Marvel dealing with the specificity of stuff because like i'll give you one very specific thing that really upset me they didn't spend enough time on it i think in the span of like and i don't i don't know if it was like volume four or volume five in the span of like one and a half issues her brother finds a girl she's black they get married (laughs) like and (laughs) yeah it might have been two issues and i would have loved to stretch that out as a subplot over six issues because they do talk about like her brown parents reacting to a black woman and then the black woman's parents reacting to a bunch of muslims because their daughter had converted and they had the space and the opportunity to go deeper and there were moments when they just decided to brush some of that stuff aside and maybe that's because it was marvel Mm -hmm. and i wonder actually if they're gonna try and explore that a bit more in the tv show maybe like who knows but yeah, that, I totally agree. That could have been its own sort of like mini series within the comics. Yeah, for sure. There's so much there that they, they could have explored. Well, even the boy, but... like the pining boy, the Dawson's Creek relationship with Bruno. <laughs> like, and I, I don't I say that because, it, but it's and and that's why that's actually why I wanted to read Volume Five because they bring that up because at the end of Volume Four. He does profess his love and it potentially puts the entire relationship on this awkward hold because she's like, I feel the same way about you, but this is the most important thing happening in my life right now. These powers, the Avengers, all this stuff. I need to do this. And then they effectively reset and merge the entire Marvel universe with the big annual event. Mm -hmm. And they come back and they reboot the series. And it's like, oh, I've been in the Avengers for a couple of months and he's moved on in a relationship and they cover it well, but they just sidestepped it. Once again, they shortcut the like really deep cutting character drama that I think makes this book special. But and... they revisit it for sure. I think it's, it's, they revisit it throughout. Okay. So I, yeah. Good. So just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> they do Actually, go back to that. <laughs> we know what happened with Dawson and Joey. Oh my God. 
So here's 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 I guess there's this tension between Ms. in Ms. Marvel between her being really grounded with her family issues, her trying to reconcile, like like juggle her religious obligations and her her schoolwork and all that sort of stuff. And then there are aspects where it gets really really cartoony, and her team up with the other superheroes is a part of that. But also, for instance, when at uh, end of volume five, she just like clones herself over and over again. And it's funny. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's so great. It's a really, really funny moment. But also, no one seems to react to that. She's just like, what the f-? There's, everyone's like, oh, wow, there's a lot of, com- there's, there's, there's a lot of Kamala's running around. It's like, <laughs> it was, easy it peasy. And she's just like, it's a science experiment gone wrong. So on the one hand, I really like those moments. But on the other hand, it's sort of like, but no one is taking it that seriously. And so it feels like Ms. Marvel a lot of times is sort of trying to figure out like what aspects of the world to take seriously and what aspects to treat as a cartoon. And in a way, Ms. Marvel's powers, the fact that she kind of- They are cartoony. It's plastic cartoony. Yeah. She's like, Super yeah. Super cartoony, yeah. Yeah. So both elements are- are really, really great on their own. But when they mix together, it creates, for me at least, it creates this sort of like, wait, so what reality are we in? Are we in a world where, hey, there are serious responsibilities that you need to adhere to and there are real stakes? Or is it sort of like, hey, everything's a cartoon? And I, Jimmy I, Olsen, I think that was, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, some parts of it, that really bothers me too sometimes. Also, even with her costume, I'm like, how can you not tell? This is her. It's Kamala, guys. It's your friend. It's your sister. It's your daughter. Come on. And, and so. she's wearing like, bur- uh, explain this. It's like basically uh, like proper Muslim bathing suit. It's a burkini. And <laughs> and like, it's the one that her parents got her. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, but honestly, that whole storyline where she clones herself, though, yeah. I mean, I was like, man, if I had the option to do that, I actually would also try and do that. I would try and clone myself <laughs> because another thing that I really relate to in general is she's so not only is she Muslim American, she's a minority in America, all this stuff, she's also the only daughter in a South Asian household. And I talk about this a lot with my other fellow South Asian female friends, but it's, there's like a whole, I don't even know how to explain it, but there's a whole different layer of standards. expectations. <laughs> yeah, but, but really like expectations that we tend to put on ourselves that we're trying to be there for our families, trying to, there's a lot of things that like daughters are expected to handle that sons are necessarily not. I'm not saying that my family is necessarily like that, but this is a whole societal sort of pressure for sure. And that's, this with this whole storyline with the whole cloning herself and everything i i felt that on a soul level like really it was i was like girl uh man i feel it like i i understand she wants to be in all these places at the same time and she's not able to and this is the only solution she can come up with and so yeah and but also that whole scene where she sends a clone to her family's house to meet her brothers like fiance's parents and all that and then the clone starts melting i was laughing so hard i thought that was so fun well and it's completely cartoonish but hilarious good science fiction (laughs) says oh we're not talking about genocide we're talking about robots and i think that's the slapstick nature of this book lends itself to do that because 
the the thing that draws me to this book time and time again, why I want to keep coming back to understanding what's going on with Kamala is the the zany antics are trying to teach a lesson and explain something. So that it's that whole mm-hmm. episode, right? Of I have to clone myself because I have so much going on. I have so much duty to my family, duty to my school, duty to my Avengers. teammates in the Avengers, right? <laughs> yeah. It's it's scratching a deeper itch, I think. And and it's doing it with slapstick. It's not doing it with science fiction. It just again, mm-hmm. the slapstick mm-hmm. science fiction nature of it is well, cloning people. And they touch on that a lot. Like the introduction to Loki, it was weird, but like I was like, okay, so there are these golems, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. <laughs> I don't mind it, though, because it's a comic book. Guys, come on. Right, exactly. And it's just it's a totally different sort of medium. Like if this was happening in the TV show, I'd be like, okay, yeah, they're, no. they're, that like, part probably on. will not be in the TV show. <laughs> right. I expect the TV show to be a little bit more. I don't know, like, ser- not serious, but believable. <laughs> and but so I don't know how they're going to do it. I'm really looking forward to seeing how they interpret it. But what one but, of the yeah. other we're going off canon here. But so I just grabbed a bunch of books from the library and one was Miss Marvel team up, which I'm still reading. And it has like a two issue crossover with Spider-Man. So there is a Spider-Man crossover in this one. But this other two issue crossover is it's um, a Freaky Friday. They like switch bodies. And so adult Peter Parker is in Kamala Khan's body for a couple of days and they keep switching. So at the end of the issue, it's like this, that there's some moments where there is some anti-Islam stuff against Kamala. And it's just like high school shit, teenagers mm-hmm. being shitty to other teenagers, which doesn't really exist in the Miss Marvel universe as much. But in for the Spider-Man crossover, they show that. They show what being a teen girl and parental expectations. And, and at the end, Peter has his moment. He's like, Gosh, I never realized. And it's that same stuff you just referenced earlier. Peter had a shitty time as a kid, but he grew up and became cool. And yes, he can never make the rent, but that's his own damn fault. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. And but True. it was this, oh, I'm a white guy of privilege. I didn't know you had it so hard, brown teenage girl. And yeah. I again, I think this is the power of Kamala as a construct in the Marvel universe. Is it's a different set of eyes to to observe and comment on the world through. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Though I have to ask, how many times is Peter Parker going to switch bodies? Like, it's, it's <laughs> they actually make fun. He's like, I'm an expert at this. Okay, I, I, here's the playbook of what you do. <laughs> no, but I, I, I do appreciate. I mean, again, I wonder how I would have responded to Ms. Marvel if, if I were reading this when I myself was 16 and becoming aware that none of these characters in the marvel universe really look like me or everyone was white i told you i told you roman for a while iron man was my favorite character because i thought tony stark was freaking asian the way they drew him <laughs> yeah oh my gosh <laughs> yeah so and then and then later on i'm like oh okay i guess he's just a white dude yeah this is yeah and then i become aware of sort of like the the fu man choose sort of bullshit that they were pulling back when he was fighting the Mandarin, whatever mm-hmm. but i mean even though I wasn't like explicitly thinking, oh man, I really wish there was a guy, a character who looked like me. It was something that you internalize, even if you don't no, have 100%. the percent. Like all I got as a kid was Dalsam in Street Fighter. And yeah. my wife and I, I shouldn't say this, but we needed something dumb to watch. So we're watching the, Mor- the new Mortal Kombat movie. It's so bad. It's, <laughs> it's really so, bad. <laughs> it's, it's hilariously bad. And that's why we're watching it. Mm-hmm. But same thing. It's like there were never cool... And I'm not saying like you had a better Asian kids, but like, yeah, there never was anyone like we didn't even have martial arts. Right. And now I I think being an Indian person today, like everyone loves yoga and chai. So sure. 
But yeah, like it's I do wonder how I would react to this if I was 16 as well. Because yeah. I think the other thing that makes this book good for a 16-year-old boy or a 16-year-old girl is this is a real girl. Like, I mean, you, uh, Lena, we talked about this at the top of the episode. The women that were being portrayed in the comics Ryan and I and your brother were reading mm-hmm. really screwed up our perception of women. Like a whole generation mm. of yeah, boys I'll bet. <laughs> has a screwed up point of view on women because of the X-Men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's why a lot of girls wouldn't don't get into comics, right? <laughs> so, yeah, they just don't. I think they just don't feel represented at all. And yeah. this that's why it's so it's refreshing to see Kamala Khan because she's nerdy. She's geeky. She loves her family. She loves her friends. Like she's just trying to do her thing and pass math class. And <laughs> yeah, it was just all very relatable. <laughs> so Kamala's been around for six, seven years now. One of the things that actually did bother me about her as a superhero is her rogues gallery is not as awesome as some of the other, you know, superheroes. Has have they developed her rogues gallery since since her debut? Wait, what do you mean by her rogues gallery? Her super her super villains. Her- <laughs> Sorry, see, I told you fake comic book nerd. I don't like they're. I don't really know if she has like, I don't know. I'm trying to think like as it develops on, there are some villains who return, but there's, there's maybe like, it's like one or two, but I don't, I don't really know what her, like maybe her main villain is time management. (laughs) (laughs) It's really, or just like (laughs) balancing family expectations. Who knows? Although although what I will say was (laughs) upon the, the second or third reread for this podcast is when they're having like the Hudson Yards development and reallocation association, (laughs) which was an acronym for Hydra. Like, yeah, yeah. Dumb dumb shit like that just like made me like giggle. So. Like, I actually, feel like her villains are gentrification and like these <laughs> other sort of like capitalism and things like that. So I did actually kind of like that spin, though. Like there's this gentrification aspect, which is a real issue that people are dealing with, but they bring the supervillain turn to it. I did. I did appreciate that sort of creativity. And brand mm. marketing was an enemy of hers because they literally brand, like, co-opted brand her marketing. identity. Yeah. yeah. I love that line where whoever the Hydra person was, they're like, we were g- giving you a brand. And she's like, I don't want a brand. I want a purpose. Like, I was like, yes. Good, good line. Love that. <laughs> there is actually, unfortunately, it's a DC supervillain, but there is a supervillain called the Clock King who would be perfect <laughs> for for Kamala. <laughs> That's true. So what's funny, though, is I think about I've been asked on other podcasts, like, what's your superpower? What do you wish your superpower was? And I never think about but this is actually the one I think about all the time. It's not the flash and super speed. It's the ability to stop time. That's what I want. Mm. Like, I want to stop time so I can get a lot of shit done. Like, there's yes. books I want to read. Now, the problem if you were to abuse that power is I would be aging because let's say I just sneak an hour every day or a few hours every day or I catch a nap I pause time so I can take a nap for five hours and I'm more well rested that would add up and so after a few years you guys would be like Roman you're looking really old are you okay (laughs) I've had that exact same thought honestly (laughs) that would be a great superpower but this is the bad part of it Where I would just age Although, faster. Unless, because all the times I'm stopping time, I'm resting more, I'm exercising more. Like, I do think, <laughs> look, I am a 55-year-old 
person in the body of a 40 something. You know? <laughs> and I have friends who are in their 40s, but clearly live in the bodies of a 25 year old because of yoga or whatever. Right? So. That's true. Yeah, I guess it all depends. <laughs> so the, many age, the age defying power of yoga, Raman, I like that. Like I'm saying Indian people are cool now. They they weren't back in the day. Back back then it was yoga fire and yoga flame. Okay, I'm just gonna, well, I, I told you this already, but like yeah, like it took me until I was 16 to realize that yoga was not like a, a combative martial art because of Street Fighter. <laughs> So I'm That's sorry amazing. about that. I'm going to start randomly flipping through the book because I feel like there's other moments. I don't want to fanboy and gush too much on this, but like, I don't know. Like, there's things I just. I there's uh, Here's what I'd say. The plots are so-so. The plots are constructs for me. It, the plots are just character delivery vehicles. Like, I, and this is, again, Brian, we talk about like superhero comics don't do much for me anymore either because it's more of the same but that what kamala Khan proves to me is there this isn't a reboot this isn't a reset everything she does is new and i i think they've switched writers now to a dude who i believe is also muslim american and so yep. there have been now multiple different takes this isn't just g willow wilson's pet project and i'm assuming Lena, as someone who continues to read the book, this is the adventures continue to feel fresh is I mean, how how's it holding up? It's been eight years almost. Yeah, I think it's holding up pretty well. It's I, it was a good idea to I love G. Willow Wilson. I think I think she did a fantastic job, obviously bringing Kamala Khan to the world and all that. But then like it makes sense like to just shift over to another writer. His name is Saladin Ahmed. And yeah, I think he's done a good job of what he's particularly done well, especially in the first few issues. I'll give very tiny spoilers, but basically at some point, Kamala Khan is taken to another planet. <laughs> and oh, is it a Muslim planet? Sorry. No, but I, but the thing is, there's a lot of sort of like the alien names have more Muslimy sounding names, like the more Arabic names. Yeah. And it's just really interesting because I think with so many other superheroes, there's a lot of Christian mythology that it draws on, like mm -hmm. Superman and all that. And so, so it's really fascinating to have another Muslim American writer who's bringing in a lot of like Islamic history into into character well like not necessarily saying like and here's an issue about Islamic history but just sort of like weaving it into the plot weaving into characters names or whatever and so he does a really good job of that and I think that's really fun because we're so used to these very Christian slash Western mythologies in these superhero comics. So it's it's fun to read about this this other history that we've literally never touched on. <laughs> wow. That actually reminds me, Roman, of when we were re reviewing Sandman. What, I forgot the guest's name. Sorry. Was it Baroon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baroon. Baroon was one of his, his points of criticism was how Eurocentric the Sandman mythos was and so yeah so it's just interesting lena to hear you mm -hmm. to hear you pick that out about how the mythology in the science fiction world goes beyond the usual judeo-christian influences well yeah. and yeah in, mm -hmm. in sandman it's like they touched there's one thing where a lot of the gods of myth come for like a meeting 
and they barely scrape over all of Eastern culture. And it's offensive. And then there's like one issue where Morpheus like interacts with the Sultan in Baghdad. And it's a really cool story. But it's like, okay, thank you, British guy, for scratching. The- and again, <laughs> yeah. I, he, he had it. To be fair, mm-hmm. Neil Gaiman had an admiration for it. He just was out of his depth. And and it, it was it actually one of my favorite issues is that one with like the Sultan of Baghdad. But at the same time, it's just like, okay, I guess you can only go so far because you're going to get yourself in trouble if you're not careful, Neil. Right? I think it yeah, is. Yeah, I, I just think, I mean, we, so yeah, that's the whole thing that there's so many, not just comic books, but movies, TV shows, whatever, they are so Eurocentric, right? And we don't explore any other kinds of mythologies, histories, all that when they have just as much depth to them, right? I mean, look at how, what the Black Panther movie has done. It's given everyone a whole new perspective and appreciation for various African cultures and their mythologies and their history. And you could even see that from the the costume design, the the makeup, the hair, all of it. Like it's just there's so much there and we've well, barely scratched the surface. And, and that's that, why that's, I want That's what I was yeah. going to say. I mean, America's biggest export is our culture right and our culture for a while and again to be fair a lot of the greats in comics are brits and scots but the and and again you could say the same thing about uk culture right that the culture of film and literature and poetry have come out of these two great western cultures but (laughs) a, a lot of that control has been white men paying other white men to tell stories and a few white women And I do think we are starting to scratch the surface for Bob Iger, a white guy, to say, okay, Ryan Coogler, I'll let you do what you want to do for whoever was in charge at Marvel to say. And I think I read an article about this. They were literally sitting around the editorial room saying, we need a new and different character that reflects what teens are today. And I think G. Willow Wilson or one of her co-creators said in the room, like, well, there's a bunch of brown kids in Jersey City. And they're like, yeah, let's go with that because that sounds different. That'll sell. And again, mm-hmm. capitalism, I think, is finally starting to catch up with, oh, okay, we've already squeezed as much water as we can from the rock. Let's now, now here's my fear. We told one Black Panther story. Check. We yeah. allowed a black yeah. guy to be Captain America. Check. We've got one Muslim superhero. Like what I hate is you can't hang all of being a Muslim on Kamala Khan. That's not fair. And yeah. it's been nine years or whatever. Like, what else is out there? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, that's where the Disney princesses are at, right? We got a brown one. We got a black one. We got an Asian <laughs> one. and But we're going to keep making Frozen and, like, keep that going. So that's, yeah. Let, that's it, let it go, Lena. Let it go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a fear of mine, too. I don't, I don't like it either. I don't like this whole tokenizing bullshit. Like, it, yeah, it's not going to fly. But I am also hoping 2020 being as horrific as it was will be some sort of awakening that lasts hopefully longer than five minutes for everyone. (laughs) And I think it has so far, like even just, I don't know, just paying attention to what people are saying on social media or at work and whatever, people seem to realize that storytelling cannot remain the same. Well, I think um... something different. What I want, I do love the level of specificity that Wakanda and Afrofuturism can bring me, that Kamala and her Pakistani parents saying things that I heard my Indian parents say can bring. 
but I kind of also want Stephen Yun and Walking Dead. He was just a <laughs> pizza guy who just happened to be Asian. And he doesn't talk and wax on about his poor, not no pun intended, I apologize, but he doesn't go on and on about his Asianness in the show. I think the only moments when the Glenn character does is like, I'm a geeky Asian guy, you're a hot white girl. But it's like, oh, it's the end of the world. And like, they talk about that a couple of times. But it's he's just a dude who happens to be Asian in America. Again, a yeah. post-apocalyptic zombie infested America. But I want some of that too. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't mind digging into the identity and having a very special episode where Sam goes and meets his sister in Louisiana. But I, I don't know. Now that's borderline. It's like saying, stay in your lane. Don't talk. But like, I think I want I want it to be more normalized. I don't want it to be the one token brown guy on the team or the one token black girl on the team. I've been thinking about it. it's hard to reconcile that because on the one hand, you don't want to deny the specifics of, of your personal experience due to your race, due to your religion or a combination of all of the above that creates who you are today or who the character is today. So you don't want to entirely ignore it. But of course, I hear your point also. You don't want to dwell on it. You don't want it. You don't want, hey, this character is a Muslim and you don't want that being repeated over and over and over again. So it's yeah. it, the other thing I was about that walking dead was created by a a white guy and so having the glenn character just sort of integrate he could very well be black or white there's no specifics about his experience as an asian and i wonder if part of that is also because you know by a white um, guy he was written by a white guy if robert kirkman were to try to write a story about glenn's racial identity or that implicated the character's racial identity would that have worked and in, in a way, I wonder to what extent could a non-Muslim write Ms. Marvel? Well, Mark Wade. So I, in The Champions, yeah. he doesn't dwell on all of like the stories of Kamala and her heritage and her parents. Kamala's a hero operating in the Marvel Universe, but Mark Wade does one thing well. It's he writes characters, but she's right. not a Muslim. She is, but she's not, right? She's just the, like, the most mature person on this team, right? Yeah. Totally agreeing with what both of you are saying, but there has to be a balance, right? Like there, I I also want that world where it's just normal to be who you are and yeah. I don't have to dwell on my racial identity all the time, but there does have to be some sort of acknowledgement too, right? And I, okay, sorry, I'm going to go off on a tiny little tangent, but how, do either of you watch the show This Is Us? <laughs> Quite a bit, yes. <laughs> okay, well, there's a great scene. So it's about this family, and they've adopted, adopted black yeah. a, a black son, exactly. And when he's like eight or ten years old, he's talking to his white adoptive father, and the subject of race basically comes up. And his dad is like, "When I see you, I don't, I don't see color. I just see my son." And there's a pause, and his the son just looks at his dad, and he's like, "Then you don't see me." And I just, I thought that line was so good, right? Like you can't just, yes, you can love him and whatever, but you still have to acknowledge the fact that you are raising yeah. a black boy and that means something different. And then Ryan, what you just brought up about having a non-Muslim writer write maybe a future story about Kamala Khan and Miss Marvel and stuff. I think that's totally possible, right? It's all about putting in the work though. For example, if you're a 
writing a screenplay about Abraham Lincoln, you're going to do your fucking research. <laughs> you're, so, so do the damn work. Research, read about Islamic history, talk to real Muslim people. I don't think that only Muslim characters can or necessarily should be written by Muslims, but I expect you to do the work. Well, and it's to, to avoid the unavoidable mistakes. And I do think it's an evolution because all these characters, uh, I remember back in the day, Captain America, Cap's always, it's not always sunshine. He's always like dating someone new, right? And <laughs> he was dating a Jewish girl and the girl he was dating like threw around a lot of Yiddish. And that's when I first learned the term goy, which means non-Jewish boy in Yiddish. And was the writer Jewish? I don't know. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is like there's a lot of normalization of white culture, right? So, and that's the things that are being depicted. And so I do wonder if, yes, go, what part of what makes Kamala special isn't just that she is Muslim, but that is an important part of her identity. But what makes these first volumes of Miss Marvel so special is the deep dive into her because a lot of America doesn't understand this, doesn't know this. But I think on issue 250, do we need to spend as much time with it? Will not do we, will hmm. we need to spend as much time with it because it's going to become more normalized? Like we hmm. don't have to explain true, all yeah. the intricacies yeah. of white culture because it's so normalized. Like, I know, even though I didn't grow up in a white household, I've seen enough TV shows to know what it's like to eat dinner around a white dinner table. And mm -hmm. But I could make the same argument that most of my white friends or girlfriends back in the day did not know what it was like to eat dinner around my dinner table. Mm -hmm. And I think so. I think a lot of that, a lot of that explanation needs to happen for us to evolve our acceptance and our acknowledgement of, oh, OK, this is where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I hope that it becomes the case <laughs> by Have issue it. 250. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll re need to reboot it like three times because that's Probably. what Marvel does. A new number one every couple of years. <laughs> I know, Ford. <laughs> so any final takes on Miss Marvel? I, I do appreciate what, what Marvel is doing, not just with Ms. Marvel, but also with Miles Morales, with, I know Jean Lun Yang is also creating a character based off of Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, who's a Chinese figure. Kind of wish that had happened when I was younger, but maybe then, mm -hmm. again, I don't know, I guess I turned out okay. I mean, when I was growing up, comics were for like geeks who just had no social life. And now that they're being- Quarantine boys, it's, yes. It's, it's way, I mean, it is actually way more important nowadays because of the MCU, because it's, it's an IP being a fan of Marvel. Yeah. Well, being a fan of Marvel comics is sort of a mainstream thing, right? It, everyone, everyone is a fan of, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe or of Marvel comics. The, everyone, all, every hero in the Marvel Universe is now almost a household name. Unlike when we were growing up, when it was much more of a niche play. So the fact that this is happening now, I think it is important and it, and it is significant. Mm -hmm. I, I think that what my final thought on Miss Marvel, and, and Lena, I want to give you the last word as well, but... I read it as a father. The first time I read it, I wasn't a father. The second time I read it, my daughter was two. This third time I read it, my daughter is five. And I could not help. It's like when I saw the movie The Namesake. I read the book and I saw the whole thing from the kid's point of view. This teenage boy, Bengali American growing up in America. You just don't understand mom and dad. And then I watched the movie where the cast was Cal Penn, an actor who I just have an irrational hate of. But the dad... <laughs> was Irfan Khan, an Indian actor who I didn't know enough about. Like, but 
I fell in love with his acting because of that movie. And I saw the whole movie from the dad's point of view. And I'm not saying I saw the whole of Miss Marvel from her dad's point of view. No, but I couldn't help but look at Kamala as a father, if that makes sense. And it's like, I couldn't like, there's some scenes with her and Carol Danvers where Kamala is clearly a little teenage girl. Like there's moments, expressions of the way she runs and she looks and I can't help but like see I'm being really cheesy here, but like I can't help but feel protective of her. And I don't know if that's misogynistic or something, if I'm using no. that word correctly. <laughs> but no, it's just like I yeah. I care and I feel protective of this character because there's so many moments. And I felt the same way about Peter Parker and Brian Bendis's run. Like literally tears would come to my eyes when things would happen with Peter on some of my rereadings as a father is these guys are just kids. Like, I'm old. I've done my shit. Like, and it is this like passing of the torch. And it's just like, you feel this pride and this protective nature of over these characters and wanting them to see the best that they can be. So yeah, that is my like sappy interpretation on my third read of this book. Which is, <laughs> and I think it's why I'm going to keep coming back to it, right? Like, I legitimately really hope they don't screw this character up as the years go on. Because let's be clear, it is comic books. She will perpetually be a teenager, like for the next 15 yeah. or 20 years. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I that's really interesting to hear. And that's, that's really cool, actually. And when I read this, I'm not a parent, but I do have nieces and nephews. So I do I think about them now when I reread it. When I first started reading it back in 2014, I really just thought about 14-year-old little Lena and how much I would have loved to read this when I was in high school and growing up in Michigan and Ohio where I really there were there were not a lot of brown folks. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think Miss Marvel is going to be I will continue reading it forever and ever as long as they keep making <laughs> this comic. So yeah, I really, there are so many parts where it just feels like I'm reading about myself sometimes. And it's weird and very touching at the same time. Awesome. Well, Lena, thank you for coming on and uh, sharing with us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thank you, Lena. But Ryan, I have one final question for you. No, I've got a final question for you, Ruman, <laughs> which is what are we reading next week? Oh, snap. That's right. Next week, we are reading The Flintstones. Now, you're probably saying, what the hell? Why are we reading The Flintstones? The Flintstones, by many accounts, was the best comic of 2016. And I thought that was a batshit crazy fact. But then I got it. And it's a comic book by Mark Russell. And if you know anything about Mark Russell, which I did not at the time, is he has some really subversive takes, and he just uses modern-day characters to do them. So The Flintstones, a 12-issue limited series, it is basically a litigation of modern-day capitalism. <laughs> so, Ryan, I'm really looking forward to hearing your take on this. I cannot wait to dive back into The Flintstones, which I have not read since 2016, but one of the best comics of 2016 Mark Russell's The Flintstones, here on Quarantine Comics. I am inspired now to take my vitamins. <laughs> and that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of the books we read at qtdcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. 
shoot an email over to say that I got right or Ryan got wrong. QTDcomics at gmail.com. Give you a social media handle, but we're old and that feels like too much work. I'm Roman Segel. And I am and have always been Ryan Joe. <laughs>